so thankful for the presence of God. Hallelujah. for his word and for speaking through his body. Praise God. We are going to be receiving communion uh, following the message here and um, goes hand in hand. Uh, thank the Lord for his spirit. I do believe he has something for us today. He's already given us a taste. So you may be seated as we continue feasting on the word through the sermon. <clears throat> so it's so wonderful to be amongst God's people, amongst the, the church, uh, to have a place to worship together freely and express our love for God with one another um, is such a blessing and something we don't want to take for granted that we have here in the United States. And so, thanking God for the body. Well, this is going to seem a little... Uh, uh, Harsh when I shift gears. Arash, can you bring me my water, please? I always feel like I'm a stuffy. I know, is that, is that opened? Okay, well, he's, he's here. Look at the great effort. I better not send him back midway. Thank you. Multitasking. All parents know you're, you get good at that. Um, all right, thank you. Just anybody else dealing with allergies? Nice presence of the Lord, and I start talking about allergies, but that's what I'm dealing with today. So, all right. I want to open up with, you know, I think about, what, actually, this came up in one of our small groups, um, one of our last small groups. We were kind of talking about platforms, uh, social media platforms, and we were talking about the TikTok. Do I age myself when I say the TikTok? Like people call it the Facebook um, but we were talking about things like TikTok or Instagram, you know, these social media platforms. And um, I started kind of, I felt, or maybe this was in youth class, actually. I kind of felt like an old fuddy-duddy when we were talking about transparency, things like that. Kind of sharing things about yourself. And I feel like transparency is not necessarily as difficult 
um, for these upcoming generations. It, it has been in the past. Part of it is the way our culture talks about it and celebrates it more than shames it nowadays. Um, but transparency doesn't seem to be as difficult you know, for kind of these current generations. And you've got all these platforms that you can share bits and pieces about yourself, whatever you want, and post it out there for all to see or share it, you know, click of a button. And so sharing stories, you're sharing your story, is, is kind of everywhere. You know, it's not just in personal conversation anymore necessarily, but it can, sharing stories can be easily done uh, across the internet. And we all know, and this didn't, we didn't need TikTok, and we didn't need play, uh, uh, Instagram, we didn't need Facebook for this to be true, but it does kind of undergird the truth that's always been that sharing your story uh, can be very powerful. Sharing your story with others is, you know, stories are powerful in and of themselves. You know, this has been true since the beginning of time, and um, you know, sharing stories is how things about families get passed down. You know, certain truths or traditions or um, uh, things that we want to transmit from generation to generation is done through the sharing of stories. Writing uh, things down, you know, typing it up on the computer, writing a book about it. My family, my uh, grandma wrote a cookbook the family did, but interspersed between recipes is a story about one of the sisters, there were five sisters, and their families. And so they did a cookbook, you know, food was an integral part of uh, their Italian culture, and passing that down was important as, long, as well with other stories of the family. I didn't get one because I didn't go to that family reunion. But um, I hope so. I know. And then they're like, oh, we only printed so many. So somebody has the task of, of photocopying that for me, but no one's taken up that responsibility yet in my family. I'm still waiting. It's now out there on the internet. I'm still waiting. Uh, but no, I'll get one someday. But they did hand one out, and I wasn't able, I was in school, wasn't able to go to that reunion. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> these uh, platforms, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, things like that, maybe even Twitter. Um, there, there's people that have become what they call these top influencers. That means they're the highly watched, they've got thousands, maybe even over a million followers. That means people that view their stories regularly. And so there's this new thing, you know, that being a top influencer on these social media platforms. And many people around the globe know these people's story, these top influencers' stories, not because they wrote their 150-page autobiography or biography, you know, somebody wrote a biography of them, and you had to print it, get it on the bookshelf, and then see who picks it up and buys it. No, but simply because they shared their story on TikTok or something like that, and they became, you know, famous overnight. And when I say that they, you know, the, it, to me, these things are amazing because I'm talking about a 60-second, maybe two-minute tops time frame. These people share a piece of their story every day, just a little piece, add to it, and it's done in under two minutes. People and the, their viewers hop on, they look forward to it, you know, get on, see what piece we get today, learn a little bit more about that person. You can respond in comments and react with them, tell them how much you appreciate what they have to say or don't have to say and or don't appreciate it. And um, it's just these, these little, you know, it's just amazing to me. Uh, you know, people, influencers on, on the topic of mental health, we've got some on the topic of finances, anything in the world that you can think of, any topic, uh, physical health and nutrition, car knowledge, comedy. If ever I'm an influencer, watch me on the comedy track. <laughs> okay, not here though. Um, and any area of expertise, you know, according to them, this is what these influencers talk about. And they just drop little two minute, 60 second blips every day. Maybe some of, some top influencers are sitting here amongst our midst. Uh, you never know. But uh, there's many people who just simply share their story, um, something they've faced and lived through, uh, a journey, you know, their journey around a certain experience and in hopes of helping somebody else 
uh, helping them face what they've lived through. Um, it's, it's, it's helping somebody, but it's also then a, a form of healing for them to share their story. Um, some stories are even spiritual, you know. Uh, it can be anything. And not all stories are good and profitable, so I'm just putting that out there. Um, that they're not all good and profitable on there, but there are many that are. And... Um, So the point being that sharing your story is powerful. And, and, and on the internet, you know, on TikTok, on, people set up wherever they are. This isn't formal. They don't get in a suit or they don't have, you know, the business background. I suppose you can put up a background that looks like, you know, you're in a nice clean office or whatever. But most of the time, people are videoing right from where they are in their daily lives, outside walking, uh, in, a, in their room, at their kitchen table, not all, you know, necessarily glammed up or ready, but just they're, 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 they're Environment doesn't look perfect, and they don't look perfect. It's part of how they uh, relate and connect. And it's just amazing to me that, you know, sometimes you listen to their stories, and some of them are on there, and they, they got these Amazon boxes. And you're like, what are you doing opening an Amazon box? Like, you're just videoing op yourself opening an Amazon box. Well, it's because one of their followers somehow get their address. I don't know how. Seems kind of scary to me about that. But they get their address, and they send them gifts because sharing their story has impacted them so much, they want to say thank you. So they'll say, oh, look what I got from, uh, you know, so-and-so um, and -so their, their name, their follow, uh, username. Oh, thank you for this gift. And they, that's their video for the day, showing, showing the gift that they received from one of their um, followers. So it's just amazing to me the types of virtual relationship or virtual friendship, you could say, that happens across these types of platforms. And so um, my point today is really not to promote TikTok or to give instructions on how to become a top influencer. I'm sure someone has a video out there about that, uh, but it's not me. And, uh, but I do want to take time today to talk about the power of sharing your story. And can I have my title slide, please? If we are truly disciples of Jesus, then we ought to act like disciples, and we ought to share our story. Uh, what a great song, first song that we sang, you know, the song about, he thought I was worth saving, and he changed my life, and so I'm going to share it with everyone I know. Exactly the type of response that a disciple ought to have. Because as disciples, hopefully, we all believe that we've been given a story to share. Amen. And if you haven't experienced, you know, this an encounter with Jesus Christ today, um, know that you are a part of his story. Um, he died for you. We, we felt it in the service this morning. Our song sang about it. Christ, you know, our, our uh, tongues and interpretation spoke about it. Christ died for all. You are a part of his story. And salvation in Jesus Christ is through what we're going to celebrate today in communion. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. Amen. It was for all. It was for all sinners. We are all sinners, the scripture tells us. And when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in him, and that salvation that's only found in the name of Jesus, by his grace, then it becomes we're sinners saved by grace. Amen. And those, those three words, save by grace, change it all. Those are important words. And so anybody here today who hasn't had that encounter with Christ in salvation through his name, know that you're a part of his story and that you can experience that today. Amen. So, I do want to turn to a passage of scripture. And we're going to go to John chapter 4. I want to talk about a woman who had the courage to share her story. And I say courage because this is a woman who didn't have a lot going for her uh, in terms of her reputation with her 
neighborhood, so to speak, her village, uh, the people around her. She was a woman. She was a Samaritan woman and a woman with a past who also, you know, was presently living in uh, sin. We'll get to that story in just a second. She was an outcast in her society because of all of this, this being a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews at the time did not get along, had a long, long, long history of animosity, and they were just not people that liked to share anything together, especially in, in common. And so before we land in the text today, I'm not going to go through the whole chapter of John chapter 4, um, but I do want to, I do think it's important for us to know what has already taken place before I land in our main text today. So we read in, in John chapter 4 that Jesus uh, had made a special stop um, for this woman at the well in uh, Sychar, uh, the village where she lived. And Jesus and his disciples were traveling, and he decided to kind of make a special stop for her at this well where she got water from every day. And I, I, it makes me think about, you know, just in the beginning verses of this story, I think about the times where I believe and I feel like God made a special stop, so to speak, to minister to me. Amen. And I'm thankful that God reaches for us individually like that. And he reached for us today. Some of us might already feel that today because God's spirit is alive and active and well in his body. Amen. And so Jesus had something for her. He made a special stop because he wanted to meet the, this woman, this Samaritan woman, at the well at a certain time for a, with a certain purpose. And so as you read in the beginning of chapter 4, um, Jesus is using her language to talk about what he had for her, what he wanted to bring her that day. And so he asked her, you know, she's a woman that goes to the well to draw water from a well every day. So Jesus meets her at this place. And he says to ask her for um, a, a, a drink of water. If he could have a cup of water from her well. And remember who she was. She, she did not have a great reputation, which is why she was at, her, at the well alone. She didn't have community because she was an outcast. She didn't have community because of her past. She didn't have a community because of how she was living currently. And so she knew this about herself. And, you know, the story goes in John chapter 4, she kind of says to Jesus, uh, I don't think we should be talking. You know, you're a Jew, you're a man, I'm a woman, I'm a Samaritan. I don't, people don't talk to me. So you're asking me for a cup of water, you must be confused. Are you that dehydrated? Maybe she was like, he really needs some water, but not here, you know. Um, but she was surprised at his request. And I just love reading about Jesus's interaction with people in scripture, because oftentimes, you know, Jesus always reaches for the, the unlikely, you know, he, he ministers to the people, everybody else stands around going, why them, you know? And so I just love seeing this. And it's, um, Jesus responds with offering her, uh, something that nothing in this world can offer her and by using her language of this, this water in the well. And what he offers her is salvation in Jesus Christ and the gift of eternal life. And what he offers her is this living water. Okay, Jesus says, I can offer you something. I can offer you living water. You'll never thirst again if you drink from what I am offering to you. And in fact, Jesus said that it will become like a bubbling spring within you so that you'll never have to thirst again. And he tells her what he's really talking about. He's saying, I'm, I'm talking about living water, but what I'm offering to you is the gift of eternal life and salvation. So then she becomes, you know, pretty interested because she wants what 
what he's offering. At least she thinks she knows what he's offering. And she says, oh, well, if, if you give me water when I never have to return to this well, I mean, awesome. I don't want to, you know, it, I won't have to come to this well every day. I won't give me what you have. I, you know, she's an outcast. She would love any reason not to have to continue to be reminded of this um, status that she has in her community. Because, you know, partway through John chapter 4, she doesn't quite understand yet that Jesus isn't talking about this physical thirst, that he's talking about quenching a spirit or satisfying a spiritual thirst, her thirst for eternal life and truth being satisfied in Jesus. And when she asks Jesus how she can get this living water, he kind of responds with this unexpected statement. Um, let's see, uh, in verse 17, and I didn't ask the um, AV team to go there. I'm just, I'm just giving you kind of where I'm at in the story. Verse 17, Jesus has this kind of unexpected response. And, and he just says to her, he just starts talking to her about her, her sinful relationship that she's currently in. And he brings up her tainted past. That, that had to feel good. He starts telling her about her life. And that is what Jesus, he's starting to form this kind of reputation with her. You don't understand yet who I am. I'm not here to condemn you. What I'm here to do is to reveal to you that I am the one you've been waiting for. And beyond that, I am the one that can offer you eternal life and a gift that is beyond anything in this world. And so he does this. He, he, he talks about her reputation. He talks about her sin to reveal to her who he is. And so then she, she kind of figures out, she says, oh, oh, okay, okay, well, you're a prophet. You're a prophet that's come, and you can tell me truths because you're a prophet. And, but she didn't quite yet believe that he was the prophet. And so, you know, nobody, we read this throughout all of Scripture, you know, the New Testament, no one expected an ordinary man to be the king of the world, and so she's, so, you know, it, it, I mean, I'm sure it would take me a little bit to understand that if Jesus were speaking to me, uh, if I was the woman there, or any other character in the Bible that that happened to, but he's trying to reveal to her, no, I am the prophet, not just a prophet. And so Jesus just comes out and says it then. He just comes out and he says it and he says in verse 26, well, I am the Messiah, and he reveals himself as the Messiah, not just as a prophet with the message of the Messiah, but the Messiah who knows all things, sees all things. All right, that brought us up to verse 27, where I want to start in our main text today. And I want to read the rest of the verses that capture what happens in this aftermath of Jesus' revelation to the woman um, that he is the Messiah, he is the source of living water, um, and the giver of eternal life. So I'm going to start reading in verse 27. It says, so Jesus says to the woman, remember, it's just him and her at this point at the well. And he says, oh, I, I am the Messiah. And then his disciples come back, it says, and they were shocked to find Jesus talking to a woman. At that time, men and women didn't really interact. If, you know, it was, there, there was a, kind of a, a code there. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking with her? But they thought it. And so the woman left her water jar. So this is the woman's response to Jesus' revelation, I am the Messiah. It says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. What I want to do right now is, is jump to verse 39. But in the next uh, Four, four or five verses here, there's kind, it's what seems like an interruption in the flow of this story. But I do want to read it briefly. So I want to read the next couple verses. 
And it says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. So they've come back from going to get lunch, I guess. Jesus had sent them away so he could have a, a personal encounter uh, with the woman at the well. And they come back, and they must have brought some food for Jesus and, and noticed that he hadn't eaten anything yet. And Jesus said, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. So we're switching from water to food. See how Jesus speaks your language? He goes with what works for you, thank God. And so it, uh, it says, did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvesting. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. So again, I don't want to spend much time on these sets of verses uh, today, but I do want to make a point that here, Jesus is talking about a future event that had not happened yet. Calvary hadn't happened yet. Jesus had not yet been crucified, so, when this, so the Spirit had not yet been poured out. It had not yet been given to those who believe. But Jesus was using this analogy of, you know, planting and harvesting and of fields. Um, and I'm going to use the MEG version of the Bible here. Did you catch that? Not the MSG, which stands for message, but the MEG, which happens to be my name, the Meg, the Meg version. Okay, so let me just say it this way. I know it's not exactly, but, and so basically Jesus here is telling the disciples, look, okay, there are uh, thirsty, and in your case, hungry, because he speaks your language, there's thirsty, and there are hungry souls ready to receive the gospel message that Jesus has brought to the world. And Jesus knew it, and that's why he was about the business of his father. He was, and the disciples didn't, didn't fully see that yet, but Jesus was asking them to go and act like a disciple and share your story. And as his disciples today, we have this same mission from Jesus, the same Savior that we're reading about in John chapter 4. We have the same mission as his disciples to act like his disciples and to share your story with others because there are people who are thirsty and hungry for this living water. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, calls himself the bread of life. People are hungering, they're thirsty for this gospel message, and this message of eternal life. Amen. And so let's fall back into verse 39. We're picking back up in the woman's story now. And it says, Mary, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. Remember, this group of people, they, they were waiting for the Messiah, the one who sees, the one who knows all things. And so this was part of what uh, the, the Samaritan woman was able to take back to her village. I have found the one who sees all because he told me everything I ever did. And so in verse 40, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. Remember, Jesus had made a special stop for this woman at the well. And so it wasn't necessarily on the itinerary of the disciples and Jesus as they were making their stops. You know, it, wasn't, it was on Jesus's itinerary, but not the disciples. And so they hadn't planned to stay long, but the people asked Jesus to. And so it says he stayed for two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. 
not just because of what you told us. She shared her story. She acted like a disciple, better than the disciples could act like disciples sometimes. And it says, but because we have heard him ourselves. This is the reason to share our story, amen, with others so that they then can have this same experience that we have had ourselves with the, when we're encountered with the gospel message and the saving message of Jesus Christ. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. All because this woman shared her story. And remember what kind of woman she was, you know, I don't know how long the interaction at the well took, but you know, let's say an hour, they were talking back and forth and Jesus you know, straightened things out with her, and she got it, got it, and once she got it, she turned and shared it. So she was still, you know, that's only like an hour. She didn't have time to go and, and build a new reputation with her community. She went and just ran and told them, whoever's going to hear it's going to hear it. But Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is uh, ready and ripe. We don't have to worry about us. When people see Jesus, they're going to see Jesus. They're not going to see us anymore. Amen. And that's what they saw in her. Something was different. They still saw the outcast, but there was something bubbling. There was something going on inside of her that was different. And they wanted to have what she had. And I just think that's incredible. And, you know, that's the best response anyone could ask for. And so, you know, I realized that we can't control who will listen to our story. And we don't always know what people will do with our story once they hear it. But, you know, I, I, I bet you anything, people on TikTok don't think about that. They just share their story. Where it falls, it falls. If it impacts someone, it impacts someone. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Eh. They share their story. We don't have to worry about that part. Plus, we already know in Scripture, God said, there's people ready and willing to hear and receive the gospel message. All you got to do is share it. And then God does the rest. Amen. And we know that in our own lives, I know there's witnesses here, sitting here thinking about the story that helped change your life around. Someone shared with you. Someone reached for you. And through that, God worked and brought you into his, the family of God, saved by his grace. Amen. And, uh, <clears throat> You know, stories teach us and they remind us of who God is and, and the character of God. Um, the one who knows all things, you know, and, and the one who, you know, we're chosen by God. We, we encounter the story of the gospel and we can realize that we've been chosen by God. While we were yet sinners, the scriptures say, Christ died for us. Amen. And we're celebrating that today when we receive our communion in just a few moments here. The stories are, are powerful. It reminds us of who God is as redeemer, as our savior, as our healer, as our deliverer. And there's many, many, many more things. And stories also remind us of who we are. We're thirsty. We're hungry souls for something to satisfy. That can be a hard thing to admit. Oh, I'm hungry for something. Well, I, but I don't know if I want to say it's Jesus. I don't know if I want to say it's the gospel. I'm thirsty for something. My soul, you know, there's something. But we have to be able to admit that. And it's not always easy. But stories remind us that we are sinners. Nobody sitting here isn't one. There's not a person that, you know, dots the world that isn't one. Uh, we're all sinners. We're, we're hurting. Our story, you know, we're broken, some of us are bound by sin. And, you know, but stories remind us of where we've come from after this encounter with Jesus, just like this woman at the well. And when we truly believe it, and we've got to believe it in order to be changed by it. That's where it starts with our faith in God. And we then become transformed. We then become whole. We then become healed. We then become liberated. We then become saved. We become a disciple. Amen. And so stories break down walls. I didn't think about this uh, before in reading uh, John chapter 4. Um, but Jesus broke down walls between himself 
and the Samaritan woman. There was an, you know, an ethnic barrier. There was a gender barrier. The fact that she was a sinner standing in the presence of, you know, the one true God. And he broke down barriers to be able to speak with her. And that's what the disciples came back and were confused about. Wait, Lord, aren't there, you know, is there, you're breaking down some walls. You're stepping, you're talking to someone you shouldn't be talking to. She's talking to someone she shouldn't be talking to. But God was breaking down these barriers. And our stories do that as well. You know, our stories do that as we share it with people and we say, this message is for all. It doesn't matter what you've been told about yourself. It doesn't matter if somebody said you're worthy or not. It doesn't matter if you think you're worthy or not. I'm going to share my story because Christ died for all. And, you know, these stories, they break down any prejudice. They break down any bias or self-protection. All of us know at some point in our lives, we put up a wall to protect ourselves. And... Um, these, this store, our stories can break that down. Uh, our stories about our self-worth, our stories about you know, our relationships or even our beliefs around God. Stories are powerful. Because, you see, we aren't meant to be the source of living water. We're not the source. Jesus' disciples were never meant to be the source of living water. You know, I can appreciate the strength of some people that have made the best of unfavorable situations and they've gotten on TikTok or wherever and they've shared their story with the world in order to help someone else. I can appreciate that. That takes a lot of courage. Uh, that takes, you know, some healing to be done to be able to do that. That takes a belief in knowing that your story can impact somebody else in a positive way. I can appreciate the people who, you know, post these positive messages every day to lift somebody's, you know, mood, to, to um, touch somebody's heart. They don't know who it is, but they're going to post it because they know how that makes them feel. You know, I can appreciate these good acts of kindness and thoughts of others. But what well are they drawing them from? What, where, because it's what they're offering. And if it's not from the source of living water, that well is eventually going to dry up. We're only human. I've seen some TikTokers come back on and they spend, you know, three days in a row and they're two minutes each, each time, apologizing to their viewers that they've been off for six months because their mental health took a down spiral again. And they have to come back and say, I'm so sorry for being absent. Uh, I'm back on. I, you know, have you guys been okay without me? I hope you've been okay. You know, that's a lot of pressure on yourself. That's a lot of pressure that other, you know, you're teaching people to draw from your well, and then there's no more to give, and what happens to them? You know, what happens to you? But if we are drawing from the well of living water, then we'll never thirst again. Amen. That promise was for the woman. That promise is for us as the disciples of Christ today, as the church today. That's what we can offer others. Not because we're the source, but like the woman at the well, if you share your story, you can lead them to the source of living water. Amen. He's the only source, the only one that can satisfy our souls, that old song that we sing. He's, um, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. I was going to say, I can't remember the words, but I thought of them. Um, and when we believe, there's a promise that we can receive to have the source of living water living within us. Later in the Gospel of John, in chapter 7, if you can bring up my verses, verses 37 and 38, Speaking of the promise of the Holy Spirit, uh, it, Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That promise was poured out on the day of Pentecost as recorded in the book of Acts. And this gift was offered by Jesus to the woman at the well and it's a gift that's still offered to us today. And it'll always be offered to anyone who will believe, to all, anyone, and wants it. 
This is the living water that Jesus spoke of that will never cause us to thirst again. When we encounter Christ, you find all. You find the source of all things, the one who saves you, the one who heals you, the one who delivers you, the one who loves you, the one who uh, redeems you, the one who makes you whole. We, you won't have to go looking again. And that's part of our witness. That's part of our story. Hey, you've been looking for something to satisfy your soul. Let me tell you about the one that satisfied mine because that living water continues to bubble within us for all, uh, for all of time. And if you have not uh, uh, experienced that living water coming to live inside of you, you can have that experience today. As the scripture tells us, the evidence of that living water living inside of you is by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And if you seek it, God will give it to you. Amen. I have a witness of that. Amen. Amen. When we share our story and allow the living water to flow from within us, those who are spiritually thirsty, they're going to want what we have. Just like the village. A whole village was saved because they were thirsting for something that the woman at the well shared with them. And their response was uh, to have that as well. And God is reaching for all. And so when we share our story, we are uh, leading them to the source of the living water. Amen. So we would do well to follow this example that we see in Scripture and act like a disciple and share your story. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells him? Uh, sorry, tells them. All right, so this is a great scripture about talking about that power of sharing your story. This can be, you know, at, the, at uh, school, this can be with our neighbors. This, you know, this isn't new to some of us. We all know how to share a story. We do it all the time. Invite people over because we have something we want to tell them. Call them up on the phone because there's something we want to share with them. Share our lives with one another. And um, I wanted to share then how uh, my mom came to the Lord. Just, just briefly, we're going to be uh, coming to a close here and preparing for our communion service. But I just thought about shared stories. Now, I grew up in a, a apostolic Pentecostal home. And so, um, you know, I kind of uh, appreciate somebody sharing their story. So thankful that somebody shared their story with my mom so that she could raise us um, in this wonderful truth. And so I'm just thankful to Marie. Thank you, Marie. Uh, for sharing your story. <laughs> I'm thinking about Marie today. Um, I know she's currently been going through some health issues as well. So anyway, but thank you, Marie. Um, as young 20-somethings, look, my dress has pockets. <laughs> as, yes, <laughs> as young 20-somethings, uh, my mom and Marie worked together uh, at a hospital. And my mom said they only worked together for about eight months. And then my mom transferred to another place to work. And... Um, they have become friends during that time. And they still keep up after 44 years, she said. Marie's hilarious. She's the one, I'm not kidding you, I mean, I'm not joking. I remember, I don't know how old I was, but Marie's like a funny, she's a jokester. She's just a real fun lady and was always so kind to my sister and my brother uh, and, and myself. And uh, she would come over and I can, I can remember, I've told my kids this too, I can wiggle my ears. Okay, you know, I can wiggle my ears. Anybody else? 
can you do this? This is really random. Really? Awesome. Okay, so I could wiggle my ears, and um, but I remember the first time wiggling my ears, Marie had placed her hands. No, not by using your hand. This. Oh, goodness. Um, and I actually pray. Okay, I'm getting. Okay, never mind. All right. So uh, uh, we could talk about um, my skills later, but um, good thing we have a potluck. That's a great time to share my skills. But uh, yeah, Marie, I remember her putting her hands over my ears and my sister's ears and I just remember her like joking about how like she can you know she can magically make our ears move well they really do so I don't know if she like noticed that we could move our ears when we were younger I don't know how she knew but she is the reason why I can move my ears that's just my memory and so thank you Marie for you know sharing the gospel of salvation and for also helping me wiggle my ears um but they became friends during this eight-month time and and, um, yeah, they still talk today. Uh, you know, my mom and, and Marie do. They're still friends. They keep up with one another. And, you know, it all got started because uh, they had something in common. My mom went to an all-girls Catholic high school, and Marie went to an all-girls Catholic high school. And I'm sure they had plenty of fun stories to tell about that. You know, these are stories that I've never heard. So I'm pretty sure they're just stories my mom just you know, we'll share with somebody else who can relate, but then she's not going to share with me because, you know, they're probably just that kind of story. But um, she eventually, you know, through this relationship building, asked my mom uh, to a service and she picked her up and, you know, did that sort of thing. And my mom said she didn't go back to church. You know, service was a little intense. You know, Pentecostal services can be uh, different. And so it was a little intense. So my mom didn't go back to service but, you know, their relationship continued at the, on the job. And then Marie asked her to a, a home Bible study. I love our small groups. You know, I love that kind of smaller community and ability for somebody to, to, to you know, encounter the word of God and his people in that way as well. And through that Bible study is how my mom, you know, eventually started coming back to services. And, um, you know, uh, uh, became a believer and followed the scriptures and, you know, has served God ever since. And so that's just an example of, you know, somebody who shared their story. And it seems so simple, you know, and, uh, but it's so impactful. Now it's, it's now uh, trickled down to a, a third generation now. And so thank you, Marie, for sharing your story. She was acting like a disciple. And so, you know, as I come into the conclusion, as I stated that I was going to begin, uh, uh, you know, if you're new to faith in Jesus Christ, and if you're new to believing and placing your faith in Jesus Christ, I just want you to hear that God has a story for you. Because the scriptures, our holy Bible, is a, his story, and it's, it's all about us. It's all about the world, his love for the world, and uh, he came as our savior to save the world from our sin. And he wants to cross paths with you, and he wants to make a special stop with you today to cross your path and give you that personal encounter with him, and so that you can respond to his presence to the same offer of living water, this eternal life that he offered the woman at the well. And the Bible tells us that, you know, our response to God, it often begins with placing our faith in him and making that uh, uh, commitment to him and um, so that we can then respond. You know, this is all about a response. Jesus already made his decision about you. He died for you. He loves you. He wants you with him for all eternity. Amen. He wants to be your savior. But the rest of it is up to us. It's, the rest of it is our response. We can respond in faith. We can respond in repentance. If you need to say, God, I, I do believe in you, and I recognize that my sin can only be dealt with and made um, pure, Lord, if, but through repenting and through asking for forgiveness of my sin so that I can turn from my ways and start living according to your ways. And we can respond. We had a, um, Sophia get baptized last week in the water uh, for the remission of her sin. Yeah, still celebrating that. Amen. 
You know, that's another response the scripture speaks about. Respond to this story that includes you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We know that water doesn't do the washing of the sin, but it's in the name of Jesus that washes away and remits that sin. Amen. As Leela said earlier in the worship service, God takes care of the past and he takes care of sin, the sins of, uh, that are yet to be. God keeps our, uh, um, removes our sin for all of time in the name of Jesus and the water of baptism. And you can be baptized by his spirit as recorded in the book of Acts if you just, you know, ask God, respond. It's a response. That's all it is, a response for all God has for you. I want all God, all that God has for me. I hope that we all can want all that God has for us today. And so wherever you are in your walk with God, you don't have to have everything perfect. In fact, nobody has anything perfect. But wherever you are in your walk with God, if it's a new, uh, a new step of faith, share it with someone. That's impactful. If it's, it's like Sophia, she was baptized in the name of Jesus, Share that part of your story. Share where you are on the journey because someone out there is thirsty for it like you were. Someone out there is hungry for it like you were. And for those of us, you know, in Christ, remember that we once, you know, thirsted for that and we thirsted for salvation. And so as we're about to celebrate communion, uh, communion is celebrating this greatest story that was ever told as we hear it. Usually around Christmas time, we hear that saying, the greatest story that was ever told. And that we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because of his great love. Amen. And so his story becomes your story. And your story brings you into the family of God, and it becomes our story. This is a shared experience in Christ. This uh, saving message of gospel message of Jesus Christ, it unites us all who believe in it. You know, kind of like a bunch of um, single threads. When they are uh, woven together, you know, by salvation in Christ, it makes this beautiful tapestry. And that becomes our shared story. And so um, if we could... Uh, I'd like our um, communion servers, if you would come and uh, do what you need to do to get our um, communion prepared. Did, oh, okay, is it right? Oh, it's all there. Awesome. So as our, uh, I saw it over here earlier, that's why I was looking. As our um, communion servers, those who are going to serve the communion, if you want to make your way forward, um, I'd like Oh, the ushers, I'm sorry, I'm using the wrong term, our ushers, if you'd like to make your way forward. I'd like us to all um, stand. You can remain seated if you'd like, but uh, if you would stand with me, and we want to move into the communion part of our service. Just want to thank you, Jesus, for enduring the suffering and the pain on the cross so that we could be freed from sin and have this promise of eternal life. Communion's about remembering that Christ was crucified. He suffered greatly and he died for all. That's a huge part of the communion message. At the Last Supper, before Christ's crucifixion, Jesus shared the bread and the wine, we have grape juice today, with his disciples. You know, Christ died for all. And when you read the story of the Last Supper, Jesus shared the bread and the wine with Judas before he betrayed him, knowing that he would betray him. So when we say communions for all, you got to read it in the story and know that it is truly for all. Unfortunately, you know, com well, let me back up, not unfortunately, but communion isn't for those who practice religion perfectly. That doesn't exist. And so unfortunately, 
You know, we've put up walls. We talked about the, how Jesus breaks down walls to minister to us. But unfortunately, you know, Christianity in its past and its history has put up walls. Um, and, you know, but, but Jesus died for all, even the Judases. And so hear that. Communion is for those who desire to draw closer to God. And that's it. And so... In these next few moments, I'm going to be reading through the passage, the scripture of communion, um, after we come and receive it. But just be thinking, you know, communion, it's a communal thing we do together, but it's also an individual time to talk to the Lord. And if you desire to draw closer to God, Jesus would love for you to come to the table and to receive uh, his body and his blood. Uh, as we do this together. The way we do communion is much like um, to come and receive it. We have the three ushers standing in front of me here. And so in your section, just like we march for offering, you just want to go out this way and come around. Just follow the person in front of you. Come get uh, a little piece of the bread and the cup of juice, and you can return to your seat, or you can stand up here in the altar if you'd like to take the communion. And so if you would like to do that, uh, we can start. For the rest of us waiting, you may, um, the first the people in the first row, if you'd like to start and come and get your communion. And for those of us waiting, can we just have a time of talking to the Lord? When you get back to your seats, and we're waiting for everybody to receive their communion. Let's just talk to the Lord. This is a celebration. Communion's about remembering what he did for us in his act on Calvary. But it's celebrating what that act means to those that believe. The remission of our sins, the living in the light of the Lord, and the living in uh the liberty and freedom of Christ. We don't need to be bound by sin any longer. We don't need to be uh, uh, weighed down by the cares of this world, but we know Jesus Christ and he died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thankful, Lord, that you died for all. Praise you, God. Lord, I just thank you, Jesus. I'm going to draw close to you, God. I want all that you have for me, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I thank you, Lord, that belief is so simple. We don't need to complicate what it means to believe in God. We believe, Lord, that what we're celebrating, Jesus, was for all. I believe, Lord, what we're celebrating today was for me. It was for all those who are here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Oh, we worship you, God. Hallelujah. There was such a wonderful presence and celebration of God in our worship service uh, earlier. Just continue to carry that. That's the Lord. The word that he spoke to us. He is uh, in our midst. And he said, he is, his word said he is honoring what we are doing today in remembering his sacrifice. There's there one more little juice. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, thank you to our ushers. Praise your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we just thank God for celebrating this story that unites us all? Anyone who wants to be a part of this story, God wants to cross your path. God, I thank you, Lord, for inviting us all 
Oh God, there's not a one of us here, Lord, that you would say you can't take of mine, of my body and my blood, because Lord, you died for all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, may we remember this, Lord, great act of love today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I worship you, God. We worship you, Jesus. Praise God. The scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 25 says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may take the body. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the new covenant. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, in agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. You may take the cup. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, oh God. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, oh, for this story, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that we remember it today, God, as a body. We celebrate it. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we praise your holy name. Thank you, God. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, I praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just take a minute to thank him and think about the greatness of our communion today, God. Oh, so thankful there's a body of believers, Lord, to take this with today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are alive and well, God. You are alive and well in our hearts, God. Help us to share that with the world around us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, if we can just give them a hand clap of praise. Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. It's wonderful to be worshiping God with each and every one of you today. And we want to welcome everybody to join us in our potluck. Have a good time of feasting. Maybe a little storytelling can ha happen there. Uh, no, but we'd love for you to join us um, across the parking lot in our fellowship hall. If you've never been with us, please join us and have a great time. <laughs>